0: His distinctive voice is heard on radio regularly. He's been a TV and magazine doctor and written books focusing on family medical advice. And on top of his Member of the Order of Australia Award, in 2017 he was announced as a New South Wales Senior Australian of the Year. I'm talking about Dr. James Wright, who has just celebrated his 90th birthday. But that's not his real name.
1: This is Signs of
0: the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. In previous decades, there were legal barriers to Australian doctors having a public media profile. So, in the interest of community health, the pseudonym Dr James Wright was created to protect the true identity of Dr John Knight, a GP based in Sydney. Although he's now retired, he keeps up with the medical journals so he can continue to provide the public with the very latest of health research. I caught up with Dr. John Knight
1: at his home near Macquarie University in Sydney. Every day I have a, a daily radio segment which goes out to about 60 or 70 uh, radio stations, essentially rural but also some of the cap cities and This started in um, way way back in about 19, oh, about nineteen I don't know when it was 1980. I think we started, and we're now up to almost up to number uh, 10,000 so I 'm talking to my lovely audience out there and I, I love you all, and you're very important to me. <laughs> Every day I try to have a little medical message for you one point only every day can't it yep and um such as what what sort of medical messages do you uh, generally emphasize um well that's a stupid question isn't
0: it <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've, I've heard you talk, talk a lot about lifestyle and and, yeah. and doctor nature and, and things sure. like that
1: well, I, I, matter of fact, when you when you have a little message every day, it's only a short one, and I try and say one positive thing per day, like if I have a cold or well, a simple method is to do this one, two, three, four, and that is my message, my 60-second message for that day. So each day we have a different topic, and over a period of time you can cover literally thousands of topics. Sure.
0: And there was also television, <coughs> wasn't there? Was it Kerry-Ann Kennelly that you were on TV with?
1: <laughs> well, the, tele- the television, I think, started in 1970, I think it was. And um, the um, I'd been in doing a lot of media stuff, mainly cutting my teeth in Woman's Day magazine years and years ago, in 1968, which is a, a long way away now. Wow! And um, then after that, um, one day I got a phone call from uh, this crowd said, "Oh look, we uh, we um, there's a new uh, television show I started started on Monday called the Mike Walsh Show." Oh yeah! And uh, this is Thursday night at uh, ten o'clock. This guy rang. He said, our, our main teller for tomorrow hasn't turned up. She's coming over from Perth and we are sort of stuck with um, eight minutes of, of silence and we see your stuff in Walmart's Day each week and yeah. we'd like to come along and, and do the spot for us as a one-off. I said, yes, absolutely. So toddled along and um, off the seat of my pants did this one off 10 minute thing with Mike and um, the following week I, mean, I said I'll be like that. I was about to come back again so I said oh yes I'll be fine and 30 years later <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the rest is history so they say <laughs> That's the I for 30 years Mike did it for 12 and a half years and Ray Martin took over for the next 10 or 12 years Then Carrie-Anne did the rest of it until the show closed in oh, 2001, I think it was, and I was, I was, their, I was their only regular all that year, all those years. Well, and
0: um, I I hope this this isn't breaching any confidentiality clause or anything, but I understand you were also Dolly Doctor for a while. Is that correct? Absolutely.
1: Well, I was was working with Woman's Name magazine for. uh, I did a. um, I was doing freelance ad hoc stuff. I was just sent some stuff in way back in the 1960s, and uh, the editor, um, she she happened to like it, so she, she started printing my stuff. And then um, after a few months of this, she rang up and said, come in and see us sometime. So I I went in and she said, look, we like your stuff because in that era, doctors were in the newspapers or magazines. And uh, she said, we'd like you to do a, um, a weekly column for us. And once a month, we'd like you, we want you to do a weight loss diet. And because we've, research shows that women worry about their weight and shape more than anything else. And we reckon a, a good a weekly column plus a monthly a special diet. We'll, we'll name the diet, we'll give you the name, and we'll do all the pictures and everything. it will be a double-page spread. So your job is to actually write the diet. Well, no, that, I said that's, that's fine. And uh, uh, she said, You've got any guarantees? I said, I have a 100% guarantee. So, if I follow my diet in a fortnight, they will lose two stone in weight. She looked at me. Wow, how does that work? Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to tell her, was I? I? I'd done my own research and I knew from experience that if anybody marginally changed their food intake for a fortnight, they'd guarantee to lose two stone in weight. Pretty, wow. Pretty compelling, isn't it? Yeah. And that sells magazines, mate. It sells magazines because I could give them that guarantee. And in our articles, we'd actually print a table t- uh, for a fortnight. Today my weight is, and then the next 14 days what their weight was. And at then end of the time, I said, you will have now have lost two standard weight. And they all did, 100%. <laughs>
0: Wow, can you give us a little hint what the secret
1: was there? Of course it was. If you change your diet, your food intake, even marginally, doesn't matter what it is, any diet, doesn't matter what it is, you're not eating less or more, you're just sticking to just different food. What you lose is two stone in water. It's nothing do with fat. You just lose water. For two weeks, you lose your two stone and you achieve your goal. Now, we don't say what's happening after that because you, you get back to, your, you stick to your routine and after a month you're back to where you were. Well, right
0: well, kind, kind of. Anyway, I'm starting to wonder if, if you're part of the problem or part of the solution. <laughs> I'm, I'm part
1: of both. <laughs> Anyhow, they, they built their circulation of 250,000 which is, which not that's not bad to sell, but they built Built it up largely with their weight-reducing r- program in general to a million. They reached the same as the uh, Australia Women's Weekly, which I was also wow. working for under a different name. I might add. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that's, that, that, that is incredible. So your yeah. your your media career continues to this day because your your spots are still being played on on radio today.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. we do a daily thing now, We're up to a number of ten thousand, I think it is. So, yeah,
0: goodness. And and I had the privilege a, a few years back of of having you um, regularly a regular guest on a TV
1: program I was involved in. Yeah, that was a brilliant program. It was a really really good program. <laughs> and I, I look at every time I was able to, which not very often, but I used to look at it and loved it.
0: Yeah, so I... I whole, your whole parade was good, was fine. Yeah, you know, you're very kind. Flattery you get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, what I'm that's what I'm hoping. That's you know. what I'm hoping. happened to that? Is it still going? Or no, no, it's, it's wound up now, and I'm, yeah, I'm focusing on Signs of the Times magazine oh, okay. now. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty special. But I do remember that um, after one of those well, those shoots that we did together, um, yeah, and we looked at the tape later and we could see there was a little bit of a lump just there on on your neck. You remember that, do you? Y- yes. Wow. If, if you go back on the videotape, you can actually see it. Wow. And I believe that was the same day that your that your son yeah. asked you the question, yeah. hey, Dad, what, what's that lump on, on your uh, neck? Can, can you tell us what happened
1: absolutely. there? Absolutely. <clears throat> well, doctors don't like lumps in the neck because they shouldn't be there. Yeah. So I raced off to my, uh, my friendly doctor who looks after me in general and uh, he said, oh, that's not good. We'll, we'll get some, some things done. So um, that 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 night, a um, rattle tat tat on my fax machine, and thing comes out with my name on top. You have a squamous cell carcinoma or cancer of the throat which grows like mad and kills very quickly. So that was facing me, horrible thought. So so throat cancer is often associated with um, smoking, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yes. I've never smoked in my life, never drank in my life. I'm a vegetarian, as you know, and good, clean living. And um, uh, I'm an older bloke. And this thing turned up out of the blue. It was absolutely dreadful. The, the treat was even worse. <laughs> the treat was an unbelievable nightmare. You, treat, you, you, you're I, talking chemotherapy and
0: radiotherapy? Yeah,
1: all that. I was treated as a public patient in the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, one of the best hospitals in the world, and uh, they couldn't have treated me better. They had radiotherapy every day for 30 days and chemotherapy. It just so happened a new Anti-cancer drug had just been invented, and I was one of the first patients to have it at Prince Albert Hospital. So I was, lucky in that respect, God was very good kind to me. So um, that was that, and I had this cancer. If you don't have it treated quickly, it can kill you within six months. So um, I was most gratefully to uh, grateful to be treated by. So I said, as a public patient, Royal Prince Albert Hospital, one of the best in the world, and um, with this treatment, you lose all your skin from the top of your head down to about your navel. No skin there at all. Goodness. Absolutely. Agony. My, my lovely wife spent, who was a nurse, spent two hours a day dressing this great hunk of meat. And... Um, bit by bit bit by bit the cancer germs were all killed and the skin regrew and I was over it
0: wow that's that must have been a, a <laughs> sort of a what a journey through the valley of the shadow
1: of death i guess you could say absolutely <sighs> Well, then, that was that, and uh, you wouldn't believe it. I've been a, had my own general practice for <laughs> nearly 60 years, and I've never seen a patient get cancer twice in different areas, unrelated. Um,
0: one, one of the most heartbreaking moments in, in your article in, in this month's Science Magazine, Doc, is um, you given the all-clear from hospital. You were still pretty frail, I think, in, in, in a wheelchair at, at the time, but you, you were home, um, went to bed, um, you know that night it was a sense of celebration that you 'd finally beaten this cancer, but the next morning you, you woke up you know alive and healthy and healed but your your dear wife um, noreen mm. d-
1: didn 't that that must didn't. have been pretty horrific. Yeah, weird. She'd spent all this time doing my dressings every day. She was she trained as a nurse at the sand, which is just up the road from where we are now. And uh, she's such a loving, beautiful lady. And I think that she, she passed away and I'm still here. Still here, years later, four years later, six years later. Yeah.
0: No, that, that, that must have been hard. And so I guess you were, you were in the wheelchair, you were very frail physically still, yeah. and then emotionally on top of it. it what, what did it take to sort of
1: recover from that, to climb out of that? Oh, well, you shake your hands say, well, you know, life moves on, you've got to move on with it, so uh, you bury your wife and um, shed a tear, and then you've got to worry about <laughs> what's ahead of you. Yeah, well, pr- practical issues. Yeah, well, I tr- trust my doctors and all the things that they did, I did, and had a, a good hospital and good guys, and uh, and that was that. Um, you know, with all this stuff, I'm a, I've am been brought up in the Christian belief, and uh, uh, of course, <clears throat> when you're brought up as a Christian you sort of have faith as a higher power up there we happen to call him God or Jesus or whatever word you like and um, um, I was, as a child I was brought up that God's there to heal his children believed it and my friends prayed I prayed and um, I got over it so how's that for an answer to prayer
0: It, it is pretty incredible and, and
1: Absolutely do, do, do you have a hope that you'll you'll see Noreen again? Oh, absolutely There's no doubt about it I believe in the hereafter after in some form or other, we're not quite sure how, there's various ideas around, but I have enough faith to believe that, um, yeah, we're going to catch up again in a, in a better land. we like to call it heaven or earth made new or whatever words you like to use. Yeah, I firmly believe in that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's
0: not really what you call it that matters, it's who's going to be there, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm I'm wondering um, uh, about another aspect of your life and Wait, we,
1: you're on the bat, talk about cancer numbers. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I I do when to get to that, but I just wanted to um, talk about something else sure. just first before we get there, because we're here in in a lovely unit yeah. um, here in in near Macquarie University sure. in Sydney, and this whole complex um, of the, the aged care complex of independent living units and supported living units is something that you and, and what your family and a team around you actually developed in the first place, That the MediAid Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it was um, when I was a young doctor, I uh, worked in the country for a few years until I earned enough money to come to Sydney, buy a house, and I set up a shop as a GP in a shop front. And then that's where I used to see patients. It started off from zero, I saw three pages the first day, then the thing eventually built up to quite a busy practice. I was there for 60 years, actually. Wow. But the guy next door, I, he was a real estate agent, and I got to know him. he was a nice, friendly guy. And uh, one day he said, "Oh, doctor, said no money in being a GP." I said, "Oh, no, thank you." He said, "I'll show you how to make money." <laughs> and um, so he had a bit of a talk to me. And um, he said, "If you got, um, do you have X dollars in the bank?" I said, "Oh, yeah, I got that." And he said, "All right, I'll show you how to make money—not being a GP, but being getting involved in real estate." And then I said, okay, that's fine. So next day came with a bit of paper to sign here. So I signed there, total trust. And um, then I said, what have have I done? He said, just bought a block of land. I said, oh, thank you. Can I have a look at it? Yes, he said. I jumped in my car, went down the road a few miles, and here was this mess trees blackberries, coke bottles, just is totally covered with rubbish. He <laughs> meant to say, you've sold me that. He said, yes, aren't I clever? I got the commission. And over the next month, that bloke worked on that block of land. Next day, bulldozers came in, got rid of all the rubbish and stuff, carved it away in trucks. Next day, a bloke came in with a truckloads of dirt and leveled the whole thing out. That next day, a bloke came with seed, sprinkled it all over the place. And then next day a bloke came in and put a picket fence all around it. Next day a bloke came in and painted it white. That night it rained. And a month later I had this beautiful bowling green with a white picket fence around it all. So an empty block of land that, that looked a, a heck of a lot better than it did before. Absolutely. Then four months later, the bloke came and said, sign here. I said, what's happened? He said, we have sold you a block of land. He said, now I get the commission a second time, I clever. <laughs> I said, oh, how'd I make out? He said, have a look at this. I looked at it, I couldn't believe it. I said, that's nearly 20 times what we paid for it. Yes, I said, you waste your time being a GP. I'll teach you how to make money. Couldn't believe it. That's what actually happened. So I'm 26 years of age, which is pretty young, yeah. 26, and this great heap of money turned up. He'd like to do it again. He said, I have won twice the size. Go ahead. I said, let's do it. And we did that. And then we did another one, did another one. And then he said, look, there's four acres of land down the road. We could do a subdivision. I know all the guys who do all this sort of stuff. So we did this subdivision. And the money started absolutely pouring in it in, in unhealthy amounts vast amounts <laughs>
0: and, and, and you're a doctor so you, you know what unhealthy is
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow this is amazing I'm, I'm exposed to this huge input of money when you're a kid 26 year old your kids still aren't you mm
0: it, it can like It that.
1: can go to your head, can't it? Well, it it, it it went to my head and also went into my bank balance too, which started to started to become huge. Yeah. And uh, so I said we finished one, this guy would get another project and another one and another one. And I said, How long is this gonna go on for? He said, How long's a ball of string? Yeah. And we kept I kept on with that bloke for thirty years. Mm-hmm. With this money pouring it at this unbelievable rate. So I, I said, I have a talk to my dad. I said to myself, my dad was a very savvy guy, and he said, um, well, most are going to go on tax, isn't it? And I said, yes. He said, what say you try and do something of some value for elderly widows, the place is riddled with them, they haven't got a house, nowhere to live, their husband died of a heart attack at the age of 50. He said, "The heaps of these women around the place who need help. So with a bit of talking and thinking, Um, I uh, spoke to my brother, who was in Sydney Rotary, and he said, well, I have lunch every day with the Deputy Commissioner of Coxation. His name is Ron Gray. I'll discuss it with him, which he did. And Ron Gray said, send him down, and I'll... Organise something for him, which I did. Within a week, I had many aid centre foundation was incorporated as a PBI, a public benevolent an institution, and a tax free a tax free entity. And our job was to build accommodation for elderly widows to provide them with housing at a, a very small rental that they can afford. Mm. So we're killing all sorts of birds with the same stone. So within a week I've got my foundation up and running, well-funded, well, it'll be the future. Money's no, no object. And uh, so I'm into the building scene also by this time with this guy. Oh, and, and you're avoiding a lot of tax. And I, I wasn't paying tax. How's that? How's that? <laughs> yes, yes. Making my dad happy. He's getting his little old widows with a lovely house. They're paying about about a mm. quarter of the going rent. So, so, so what year
0: was it that the Mediate Foundation actually got started? What In year was that? Seventy-one. 71 yeah. so so from then to now do you have any estimate of how many people you've accommodated
1: or how many people oh. who've been assisted well hundreds and hundreds of them the uh, the foundation now because of all this stuff it's very wealthy because all the money's been plowed in, into buying real estate or actually building because we build blocks or flats and all sorts of things too so right now at this very moment we have um, uh, we have 500 elderly widows live in a lovely home on the Gold Coast. They pay a minuscule rent, which is no burden to them at all, otherwise they'll have nowhere to live, so we've got this going and we'll we'll reach a 1,000 before I die of old age, which will be a long, long time, mate. Look,
0: look, night ma- night, many years week. down the track, no doubt. So um,
1: we, the foundation has is well-funded into the future, and we'll just keep on doing this week after week after week after week, and we, we love doing it. And my my mm. son David, he goes to service paradise and buys another home every, unit uh, every fortnight. So yeah, this is a plan for the future. My, my son, he'll will, he will take over from me eventually, keep the place going.
0: Goodness! Now that's that's incredible that you've um, you know managed to help so so many people. I mean, a, a lot of people just would have you know kept the money and you know bought a, a bigger yacht or, or whatever. But um, I get seasick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I take my, my hat off off to you for you know the amount of people you've helped. And it, it's sort of um, ironic, or some people would say, you know, it's it's karma maybe that um, that here you are sitting in a unit in one of these centres, you, you
1: know, yourself uh, as you're getting older. Yeah, <coughs> it's an enormous amount of satisfaction. Um, and, you know, my dad always used to, my dad was a the chaplain at the Santa orunga uh, which is a private hospital, and so he used to see a lot of people having a tough time and whatnot. And he, he always used to say, the person who's giving something, really in the long term, gets more out of it, the person, the recipient, the, the giver gets more than the giver, in, in a sense. And it's true because these people come along and say, oh, now I've got a lovely house, thanks to you, and I can afford it, and um, I'm very happy.
0: Yeah, it's it's an incredible feeling, isn't it, to know you've done that? Yeah.
1: Well, it's the Christian ethic, isn't
0: it? Yeah, well,
1: absolutely. Do the other black what you're liking to do to you is just the golden rule, and and, and it's no big deal. We don't talk about it. We don't tell anyone about it. But um, anyhow, <laughs>
0: no, good, good on you. Now you've you've mentioned a, a couple of times um, you you've had round two with cancer, yeah. and, and and this this is just recent. So because I remember you saying after the first lot, you said if I ever get cancer again, it's no more chemo for me. Just kiss me goodbye. You know, you, you said. But you've gone. Through Through a a, a second lot. Tell tell us about that.
1: Well, it's it's amazing what happens in life. uh, I have an older brother who was a doctor, a good GP, and he um, got bowel cancer and died at the age of 62, which is very young. Yeah. That was in the pre-colonoscopy days, before they had all these gears where they could uh, check the bowel. So all well, I had were x-rays, which are not very good. His was missed, and he died of cancer at, 20, at um, 62, which is very, very young. <clears throat> so that means that every every two or three years we have a colonoscopy, which is now available, and they can pick up these things very early. So if you're clear, they say, I'll come back at three years' time. Anyhow, the last time I saw the uh, doctor, he said, three years' time, that's fine. Then I was at going at the door, He said, look, no, the, because of your brother, I suggest you come back... In a year's time, I said, like, "Okay, going a year's time, you wouldn't believe it. There's a nasty little cancer sitting inside my bowel." Goodness. You can't believe it, can you?
0: No. And it, you 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 seem to be just shocked by the fact that you, you could
1: get it twice. You, you say you haven't seen it that often. Never. I, I I saw 35 pages a day for 60 years. Never saw it happen, and it happens to me. And the 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 bowel cancer bloke he, he said that you know it's, it's a horrible little cancer, no symptoms. You got to be examined by the in the colonoscopic examination. So we put me in and uh, underwent surgery and. Um, so I'm I'm cured of that now. So <laughs> that's a wow. strange. One. And you know, I spent my life in the media, as you know, talking healthy lifestyle. That I've never smoked in my life, never drank in my life, never drank alcohol. I've been a vegetarian, correct weight, all the all the standard things. I I meet them, not overweight, exercise daily, and all this sort of stuff. And, and all these bad things happen to me, but I'm still here, and um, that's. Yeah, the main thing and you know, I for which sure I give God the is because you know did he heal me? Um, people say how can you say God heals you with cancer? Well, I say well he, he, he doesn't heal you directly heals you indirectly he makes the doctors available machines and all their gear available so that you know the end point is you finally get better so yeah. you can keep on praising God and saying, I'm the luckiest bloke in the world. Um, depends what your attitude is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: And I, I mean, sometimes it's hard to, to answer those questions, but it it's, mm-hmm. certainly not, it's certainly not hard to be grateful, is it, when, when it works out?
1: Well, I'm, I'm simple enough to believe that um, that if you you know I prayed, all my friends prayed for me, which I, but the Christian upbringing, we sort of we believe in prayer, don't we? Yeah. Sometimes we're answered, sometimes I'm not. In my case, my prayers were answered, so I'm the most grateful bloke out, and uh, that's life. i um here talking to you, can Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> have a call. all my predators out there, for goodness' all my listeners, have a colonoscopy done, please. Doesn't matter any time from the age of 40 on, because if cancer gets you, it's a, it can be very nasty indeed, and yeah, it could be the end of you. But get done regularly.
0: Yeah, don't not don't, don't tell me that, Doc. I'm 43. I was hoping to put that off for a bit longer. No, no, no. I, I always say
1: anyone over 40. I would suggest the uh, uh, blokes who do this, they specialise in it. you in a hospital for a, a couple of hours in the morning and they to send you back home. Yeah, the gastroenterologist, I, yeah. I, I'll give you a, ref- I'll give you a ref- referral. <laughs> it won't cost you anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're too kind. Um, so... Um, you, you, your article is—you um, t- you actually wrote it. I'm um, pushing ninety and still going, oh, yeah. but uh, but since that time you've actually turned ninety. So ha- happy birthday! Well done.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I turned ninety <clears throat> on December twelve. And December twelve was Frank Sinatra's birthday also, but he, <laughs> he, he's a lot older. I mean, he's long since left us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was so you're you're old blue eyes now, eh? You've uh, you've taken on the mantle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm <clears throat> I'm a happy bloke. I'm ninety and I'm. Uh, <laughs> I still do a, um, a radio segment every day, which goes on a lot of stations, and um, I still write for newspapers and all sorts of things. And I do a thing on a current affair or this or that every now and then and um, in, enjoy life and take a positive approach. And um, who knows, I just might wake up one morning, I hope, like my lovely wife.
0: Uh, that, that'd be your, your preferred way to go, would it?
1: Yeah, it would be actually. Then when I die, instead of being buried, I'm going to Sydney University. Um, I I hate hate seeing dead bodies being Thrown the hole in the ground, all cooked at the uh, crematorium. The crematorium. Mm. When uh, uh, university students uh, learning how to become a doctor, they've got to learn how to sh- their way around a body, so they use them for dissection purpose. So I'll be, I'll be there. I have my uh, my little uh, box number there. It's K N I 7 So you can come and visit me when I'm dead, if you like, and I'll be there. Goodness, wow! So even even
0: looking to to be generous and do some some giving, even. Even in death? Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah. And then they, when you apply for this, which I did many years ago, they said, what do you want us to do with the, the, the remains? I said, well, they'll be bits and pieces every day for a year or two. They said, yes, right. And I said, well, what, what are the preferences, what are the options? They said, well, we can just scrape it all together and, and cook it and, and just bring it on as fertiliser to the, our lovely rose garden. You'll be there in good company with lots of other people. So I'll be fertilising rose, a lovely red rose, uh, oh. even after death. It's, it's a, <laughs> come and say hello to me, Kent. <laughs> it's,
0: it's a lovely thing. Come, come and p- pick a rose and think of pick our old Doc John Knight. <laughs> I, I love that. Look, you're incredibly positive and I'm really impressed You know, with all, all you've done for so many people over the years. And it's a, a privilege to chat with you and, and to be your friend and all, all the best
1: for, for the years to come. OK, goodbye, everybody. Love you all. And um, um, just stick around because I hope to be around for another 10 years. My mum lived to 100, so I've got good genes.
0: Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.